Marhaba, and welcome to the Matrix Green Pill, where real people connect. Hello and welcome back to the Matrix Green Pill podcast. My name is Hilmarie Hutchison, and today I am so excited to introduce you to Dania Akil. Dania is a passionate motorsports athlete, and she has an amazing and inspiring story. To start, Dania is a woman who has racked up many firsts. She was the first Saudi female to receive a license for motorcycle circuit racing and participated in her first motorcycle racing season for the Ducati Cup in the UAE National Sports Bike Super Series 2019-2020 season. She performed remarkably well and received the Rookie of the Year trophy. She later moved on to the rally racing world, where she became the first Saudi female to participate in an international rally competition. Most recently, she was the first woman globally to win FIA Cross Country World Cup. In between all of this, she has also published her first book called Freefall. Wow, absolutely incredible, Dania. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. And thank you so much for taking an interest in my story. Yeah, we are absolutely so excited to have our audience here about you and your story. Some of our listeners will definitely already know you and your story. But for those who don't, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background? So my name is Dania. I'm from Saudi Arabia. I grew up in uh, Jeddah. Until I was 14, I attended school here and then I went to the UK to finish my studies. I stayed there until just after, uh, just before my 27th birthday, I uh, graduated with a master's degree in international business. And then I moved back to the Middle East. And since then, um, I've had a couple of jobs in the consulting world. Actually, my first job was working at a school in Jeddah in the uh, administration office. And that was a very good learning curve. Actually, it was a great first job. After that, I wanted something a bit more international, more global. So I joined an international consultancy firm in Dubai. I picked up motorcycle circuit racing as a hobby on the weekend in 2019 when I went to look at uh, Ducati superbikes. So it started off as a hobby. I could tell that it would probably would stay, it would remain a hobby because I mean, I joined the track, I was 30 years old. I wasn't looking to do motorcycle racing professionally. It was quite a late age to join that kind of sport. But um, I found myself in Saudi a couple of uh, few months into the season. I had an accident, came back to Saudi Arabia. And um, I saw that the rally scene here actually was uh, very impressive. The uh, Saudi Motorsport Federation holds uh, World Cup races. Cross-country rally uh, racing could do for longer than circuit racing age-wise. I got more and more attracted to the space when I saw actually just how international it is. And um, that's how I ended up in this position. But I uh, started off just going through the standard motions. Always followed the feeling of uh, being really engaged with what I'm doing, which is how I ended up in motorsport as opposed to uh, continuing down the consultancy route. That is certainly a big jump, isn't it? From business studying and, and administration and consultancy to something that's so active and in such a different field. Do you know what? I actually used my business degree a lot in motorsports because um, most of the race, I would say, happens before the start line, at least for me anyway, in my beginning, because you have to organize yourself. You have to find a car, find a team. You have to negotiate, uh, figure out all the costs, find sponsors, do an investment pitch and uh, get that whole thing together, calculate 
what kind of ROI they're going to get out of sponsoring you. There was a lot of admin, a lot of organization, a lot of uh, negotiation and a lot of um, pursuit before you actually reach the start. By the time I got to the races, my goal was just to finish, just to cross the finish line because it's my first season. I found that I really used my degree a lot. And all those years, and actually it wasn't that long that I was in consulting, it was maybe two years, but they they really helped me out a lot uh, combined with the MBA. I used all the tools from that uh, quite effectively, I think, in motorsport. It's difficult to race if you don't um, get yourself prepared for it uh, logistically and financially and all those other elements. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. I can see that. Let's just jump a little bit further back before, when when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, did you always dream of being involved with motorsports? Because you said this was what you did in your free time. At what age did you get started in this? Only looked at it as a hobby, you know, I I used to like driving. I had a go-kart when I was a kid. I played with dirt bikes whenever I uh, had the opportunity to do so. I played with buggies, go out in the desert. So it was just a fun pastime. I didn't think about it in a serious capacity. I I definitely didn't think that it was going to be anything professional. It was just something that I loved to do when I had free time. With all the changes in Saudi Arabia and the landscape, uh, you know, opening up all these opportunities in the sport, I saw that uh, I could spend my time doing this and um, turn it into a um, job, but it doesn't feel like a job. That's the best kind of job, right? Yeah, exactly. I didn't think about it when I was a child and said, you know what, when I'm older, I'm going to be a professional in the motorsports industry. I didn't think that. I actually don't know how long I'll be racing for, to be honest. I'm just um, following the opportunities that I see arise. My plan is formulating as I learn what's available. It's not really a long-term calculated thing. With things changing all the time and changing so quickly, it's difficult to project what you'll do in the next two, three years because you don't know what they'll look like. And really, you were at the right place at the right time. You saw an opportunity and you took it. It is exactly what you said. It's the right place at the right time. You know, I have to credit a lot of this action to the landscape and the variables that are in play that are outside of my own personal uh, involvement. The scene is set. And it's been set by others, by the leaders, by the entities, by the organizers who are bringing the competition, by the racing teams, by the so many people are involved in this ecosystem. My role was just to see it and to drive and everything else has sort of been done outside of me. And it's like you said, it's the right place at the right time. So I'm lucky and I'm happy for that. That's absolutely lovely. How does it make you feel to be the first Saudi woman to have received these honors that you have received? I haven't thought about it in terms of being first. I just feel like what I did was something I would have done anyway, whether I was the first or the last, because it's something that I love to do. Of course, it's incredible to do this when it's new and all of that. But I imagine that this fulfillment would occur anyway. I really love this activity and the sport and uh, I love the community behind it and being involved in this space. Being first, I don't know how much I can describe it because I don't know if it would feel differently if I wasn't first. I think it would still be as satisfying because you still get to do the sport, you still get to race, you still get to cross the finish lines. I don't know if it would be different if I wasn't first. I, I imagine it would be just as fulfilling. I know that you said you've used a lot of your background and, and your, your business and your administration skills when you started out in this field. Have you faced any challenges or I'm sure you have? What are some of the challenges that you faced in your career? Do you know at the time that I faced them, I didn't look at them so much as challenges. I just looked at them as things I had to get done to get to where I wanted to go. And I think when you frame something like that, and your mind, it makes it much easier to find a solution. Instead of thinking that there's an obstacle in front of you that you need to overcome, actually, you just look at it like, you know what, I just need to organize this and then I can move on to the next step. So looking back, 
okay, I was looking for spare tires before the Jordanian Baja, which was in March, maybe up till four or five days before the race, for example. I mean, I had enough tires, but I just wanted a bit extra just to have that peace of mind in case I used my spares. That was a bit of an obstacle because uh, I ended up getting some from a local showroom and then they had to find a way to get it to the border, to meet the logistics truck that was carrying the racing car. I mean, everything worked out and only because everybody in the motorsport ecosystem is just incredibly supportive and somebody got in a car and drove the tires to the border and people are incredible. You know, when they help each other, they're amazing. Another thing maybe was um, when I got to Poland and it started raining on the second day and I couldn't see first 10, 20 kilometers of that day were very challenging in terms of driving. And I was very uncomfortable But as soon as I stopped fighting the conditions, just accepted that my visibility was going to be different. The way I handled the car is going to change. Then I was able to move through that that stage and I drove the next, uh, I think, what was it, 60 kilometers, much more relaxed. But there is that moment of, uh, okay, what is this? This feels like a problem. In reality, it's not a problem. It's just how can you adapt to get through this moment that's different and it's requiring you to be a different kind of driver. It's all in the mindset, right? It's in the mindset, you know, when you come under distress, it's hard to find the way through. And uh, often I feel stressed if something is new, but I've trained myself to look at the new positive light as opposed to um, like a, a wall that's in my way. Actually, this new thing is not a wall. It's in fact a door. And when you figure out how to unlock it, you walk through it and you're a different person. Each race had those kinds of obstacles and challenges, but nothing that really stood out because everything... Uh, Alhamdulillah, you know, thank God, was okay. I mean, I've been so lucky. I've had an incredible team. I had an excellent co-pilot. I never raced beyond my capabilities. So when I actually won the cup for the T3, I was never the fastest person in my group. I just always finished the races. And I never expected to be the fastest person because it's my first season. So the only thing I wanted to do in my first season was to learn how to drive different conditions and steadily improve my speed. So I would always compare my speed to the fastest car, of course, because you have to know where you stand. But I didn't try to beat anybody. I just wanted to get my best time with my own skills and get through as many races as I could. And because I did that consistently over five rounds, I ended up collecting enough championship points to win the cup for the T3. That also took some effort because it's easy to get deflated when you are behind other cars. And I had to just be consistent, keep going and just do the best that I could do in my first season. And uh, alhamdulillah, I was lucky that the stars aligned and uh, I got these incredible results because I was consistent and because competition wasn't very uh, intense in the T3 in the rounds that I was at. And also I was always finishing the races. I always finished. So I always collected points and that helped me. That was a challenge. That was, a, I think that was an emotional maturity challenge was to don't compete with anybody beyond your capability. Just do what you can in the time that you can. To have that motivation to keep going when you're not the fastest person in an environment that's all about racing, it required some maturity to find it in myself to keep going. But I'm happy I did because the result was incredible. Yeah, and something for you to really be very proud of. There's no doubt. And as you say, just to show up consistently is far more important than coming and being hot and cold. Sometimes the first and, and sometimes not there at all. Exactly. And the, I mean, the, the idea is to progress. You know, my goal is definitely to keep getting faster, but to do that in a consistent and safe way, not to be risky and, and reckless. So besides winning, what else was it about this last or your most recent win that was so special? I went to five different races all over uh, different countries. And it was incredible to see the different environments 
the natural landscape, first of all, and the different uh, people that I met. And I have to say, everything was stunning. I couldn't say that Poland was prettier than Hungary or that Italy was friendlier than Jordan. Everything was different and everything was good. I think when you're exposed to different environments, different people, different cultures, you really change because you see what different ways of uh, operating. And uh, It was an education. I really felt like I had an education just by racing in different countries. Let's change gears now and talk about your book, Free Fall. Could you tell our audience a little bit about your book? And I don't know if you want to go into your history of why you wrote the book. So I was racing in Bahrain at the time, motorcycles. I was in a practice session in the morning, just come back from racing school. This was February 2020. And I had an accident in the practice session that put me in a wheelchair for a month and then crutches for another month. I had a broken pelvis and a fractured spine, but I was told that I would be fine with time and I didn't have to have surgery. So I was actually very lucky. And um, that is a very kind fate for a motorcycle accident. So I'm happy. Wow, that was incredible. Yes, absolutely. Very, very lucky. So as soon as I heard that I would be okay, I knew how lucky I was. I was very grateful, alhamdulillah. And I got on a plane back to Saudi. I came home. So I live with my grandmother, my mother's mother. She's written books in her life. She's written, I don't want to get the number wrong, more than one. (laughs) maybe four or five. She used to write articles uh, when she was still living in Beirut. So she's from Beirut. She married my grandfather and came over to Saudi. So I live with her. So I came home and had physiotherapy most of the days. And then I would swim. Most of the time I was at home. So I decided to write down some short stories. All of them are true. All about uh, things that I've done. So some of them were about boarding school, for example. One is about my first job. One is about my grandmother. One is about uh, one or two are about racing. I took it seriously because I wanted a way to structure my day. Okay, physiotherapy, read a book, relax. But I needed something to work on while I was um, in that recovery phase. So I decided to publish it because as soon as I made that decision, I had to change I had to improve the standard of the stories I was writing because I wasn't the only person who was going to read it now. I mean, I had to enhance it. I kept going. It was a bit intimidating, to be honest, the process, because a lot of these stories are very personal. It's not that they're personal and that they're detailed or anything like that. They're just very emotionally exposed. And I think that that's fine. I enjoyed writing it and I enjoyed the process, but I was intimidated to publish it and share it with other people. But that is also what makes it authentic because it is your real stories, right? Yeah, exactly. It's completely true. It's quite general and it's quite vague, but it was still insight. Because you know the backstory. You know the backstory. You know what went into that. So as you say, you have to leave some of yourself in the story as you're writing it. Yeah, it was fun. It was challenging at times. I definitely felt like once I had finished it, that I would be on display and uh, setting myself up for a feedback, which can be criticism, which can be, but that's okay. It forces you to be more comfortable with yourself once you share an authentic part of yourself. So it was great. I didn't enjoy every moment, but I definitely think that the whole thing was, uh, had a positive impact. And a great learning experience, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. So the book ends with a phrase, open the door to what may come. So is that a little hint about another book in the pipeline? I do intend to write another, but only if I have something to write about. So it's going to really have to come from a very organic uh, place where actually this is something I need to say and this is a story I want to tell and pen to paper. I don't plan to write just to write. I'm going to have to have something to say. The reason I say open the door to what may come is because 
I genuinely don't know what's coming. I mean, if you asked me in 2016 when I was flying back to work at a school, would I be racing cross country in 2021? I couldn't have seen that, you know? So I'm just very aware that um, things change all the time. And if your opportunities and you grab them, then your life will change. And I quite like that. (laughs) So I don't know what will happen. That's excellent advice, really. So your career has inspired and is inspiring women in the region and all over the world. What advice do you have for young girls out there with hopes and dreams to accomplish something which might today be labeled as a man's job? I never really thought about my job as whether it was for a man or a woman, to be honest. It was just something I felt naturally compelled to do because I enjoyed it so much. And I thought about it, you know, it's not something that harms anybody. It's uh, something that drives me to grow and develop as a person. That's a positive. I think if anybody feels that they're drawn to something that is good for them, good for people around them, good for their community, then they should pursue it, you know, have the courage to pursue it. I don't see any obstacle between what feels authentic to you and what others might think of that. I mean, if you have a good intention and what you want to do is a good thing for yourself and others, then then you just should follow your uh, your instinct. And uh, what could be seen as obstacles, I think, are just lessons that are there for you to learn on your way to doing whatever it is you're meant to do. I mean, I don't think I could have done the cross country without all the lessons that I got from the circuit racing, including the accident. So I never resisted any of the results or outcomes that have happened on the road, even if some of them might have been painful. Because I know that everything comes to you or one for a reason. And if you look at it as a lesson, you're able to see the point. Sometimes actually you can't see the point, (laughs) but if you take it well and gracefully, then you might see it later. But uh, everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. So as long as your intentions are good, you know, something is calling you naturally, then you should go for it. But I emphasize the intentions because why do you do this? What's your reason? Is it for recognition or fame or any of that? That's not going to have a fulfilling outcome for you? Are you doing it because you want to grow? You want to give your energy to something outside of yourself to help, to support? These things, they feed you. If it's going to be about the individual or it's not quite the same thing. It's such a personal journey, you know? You have to look at your intentions and if it's something that uh, is in line with your values, then I don't see reason why people shouldn't pursue what they are connected to, what's calling them. You've had a lot of success so far. And I know it's, as you said many times now, it's very difficult to say what's going to happen in the future. You need to be open to opportunities. But do you have anything planned, anything exciting planned in the near future at least? I do. I have a plan to do two races. The first one is in December. It's the Hyatt Rally. It's part of the FI Cross Country Rallies World Cup. So the cup I was in before was the Cross Country Bajas World Cup. And those races are usually under 2,000 kilometers. And the cross-country rallies World Cup are 2,000 kilometers and more. So that's in December. That's the Hyatt Rally in Saudi. And then there's also the Dakar Rally in Saudi Arabia, which is in January. And that is, uh, that's a two-week race. And my plan is to do that one. So um, I'm currently preparing for that. I'm training several hours a day. We'll be cheering you on for sure. Thank you. I hope for some good success for you there. Very exciting. Now we have come to the segment of our show where I'll ask you a few rapid fire questions. It's our version of a game show. Okay. So just say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. What is your go-to comfort food? Comfort food? Mm, Maybe popcorn with a movie. Do you have a favorite track to race on? No. 
I don't. How do you spend your free time? I love to read and I love to hang out with my close friends over a cup of coffee. And um, I like going to the cinema, actually. What is one thing you do every day, no matter how busy you are? I have a cup of coffee in the morning. So thank you very much for playing along. That was our, our game show. So that's over. Thank you. Now, before we wrap up, we'd like to do our green pool moment. So for our segment of the green pool moment, we'd like to ask you, could you share an inspiring or life-changing experience that you have gone through? Your green pool moment. Well, I started working on finding out what I wanted to do in my life when I was about 26 years old. I had... Um, finished my university degree, my bachelor's, came back to Saudi and I wasn't motivated. I didn't really have the incentive to get a job. I was supported by family members and I didn't really see the point in working. I was just disillusioned. And then I kind of just wasted time. And then one day I realized if I wasn't around, nothing would change. I actually had that thought. And I told my family, I said, you know what I realized today? I realized that the way I live my life Nothing would change if I didn't get out of my bedroom in the morning. I think my grandmother, you know, she's like, she told me, I've been telling you to get a job. I've been telling you to settle down. I've been telling you, but you just didn't have the motivation. You keep saying, why? What's the point? I don't know why I was so disinterested. But all I know is that I had to go through a few years of being completely uninterested in anything to realize that I had no purpose whatsoever. And then when I reached that point... I realized you're wasting your life. And then I just decided to completely change. I just decided to make the most of every single moment that I'm here. I don't know why I had to go so extreme and then go in the opposite direction. You know, some people, they have moments where they don't really understand why they're doing what they're doing. They have these days where they're a bit unsure of what they're here for. I didn't. I was completely extreme. And then I just decided, you know what? You need to make the most of your life because life is a blessing. And as soon as I made that decision, I didn't know what I was going to do. Just deciding to search for it was enough because then I started living because I was seeking. Once I started to look and to seek and to search, that was it. I started living. And then I uh, went to cooking school. I went to art and business school. I went to a consultancy firm. I got into motorsport. And all of that has been me searching for my uh, reason for being, my purpose. What am I going to give to this life with the energy that I have? I did not know it would be in motorsport. And then I don't know what's coming tomorrow. All I know is deciding to give my energy to life, to contribute, has given me ways to do that. Opportunities have come from outside of me because I've decided to search for a purpose. So today's motorsport, tomorrow could be something completely different. But just that intention, that drive is enough for things to come. What an amazing experience. So was there a catalyst that got you thinking in that way on that day? Or was it just simply you had reached a low or a place where it just dawned on you without there being an external factor? It was a slow progression because I, I mean, I would be entertained. I would see friends and I would waste time thinking that I was doing something, but it was more just entertainment, just pleasure. It just dawned on me that I didn't do anything useful, that I just didn't contribute. I don't know. I, maybe it's from God, from mercy. I just realized I, I wasn't giving anything. That's when I decided that I was wasting my breath. We are here to give. We are here to contribute. We are here to live, to engage. And uh, I don't know. I just one day realized I wasn't doing any of that. And I couldn't sit with me. And then once you found your purpose, that's it. Everything just took off. I still don't know what my purpose is. You know, I told you like today, motorsport, tomorrow, something else. I genuinely don't know. But I think the seeking is enough because the seeking will take you to your purpose from a day to day. 
It will get you through the days. It gives you the roadmap. And then eventually you end up doing what it is you're meant to do. But you've got to do something yourself. Yeah, I have the intention. Yeah, the intention gives you the roadmap. Absolutely. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us and all that you've been through. We, I've so enjoyed this conversation and I'm so sure our audience is going to really enjoy. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, I really appreciate it. And I love the name of the podcast. I have to say, I didn't understand The Matrix very well when I watched it. I need to watch it again at this age, but uh, I like the name. Jack, uh, the founder of Matrix, loved the movie. And then, of course, it has a lot of symbolism for what we do as well. So, you know, and of course, in the movie, it's the red pull and the blue pull. So we just thought we'll have a different angle on that. So before we say goodbye, Dania, can you please tell our audience uh, where they can find and follow you? And we'll also put this in the show notes as well. Okay, I have an Instagram account, Dania, D-A-N-I-A dot Akil, A-K-E-E-L. That's the most place that I post what's going on. I should get on the other channels as well, Snapchat, TikTok, but I don't have any of those. I'm not that great with my phone. But I have a website, DaniaAkil.com, which I update from time to time with anything new. Mostly the Instagram account is where I'm the most in touch. Okay, very good. We'll put that in the show notes and then our audience can find you and follow you as well. So thank you again, Dania. It was so lovely to chat with you today and we wish you all the very best, especially in December and January, for sure. Thanks for having me. I had a great time. If you enjoy our conversations, please like and subscribe. See you next Wednesday.